Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, August 31st, 2020, and today we're reading from the big book. We're in Bill's story, page two, the first paragraph, I took night law course, and we'll be reading one paragraph only. Today's readers are, for the 12 steps, Naomi B., 12 traditions, Ilana P., and reading the text are Harlan G., Nancy P., and Crystal P. is our backup. The reference number for Sunday, August 30th, 2020, for the special edition, is 15,245. That's 15245. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Naomi B. to read the 12 steps. Thank you, Katie. Good morning, family. This is Naomi B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admit it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to do service this month, and I pass. Thank you, Naomi. Okay, I will now ask Ilana P. to read the 12 Traditions. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, 
The only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And thank you for letting me do service this month. Thank you so much, Ilana. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the book, big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is six months. Is, for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book on page two, the first paragraph. I took a night course, a night law course, and reading just that one paragraph. And I will ask Harlan G. to begin reading. Thank you, Katie, and thanks for your service. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. I took a night law course and obtained employment as investigator for a surety company. The drive for success was on. I'd proved to the world I was important. My work took me about Wall Street, and little by little I became interested in the market. Many people lost money, but some became very rich. Why not I? I studied economics and business as well as law. Potential alcoholic that I was, I nearly failed my law course. At one of the finals, I was too drunk to think or write. Though my drinking was not yet continuous, it disturbed my wife. We had long talks when I would still her forebodings by telling her that men of genius conceived their best projects when drunk, that the most majestic constructions of philosophic thought were so derived. When we take a look at this paragraph, we are beginning to see 
see the progression of Bill's alcoholism. On the page before this, in the last paragraph, he was absolutely sure that he was going to be great. Everything was going to be good. And he's still pretty sure that we're going to see that change as we go through the paragraphs of this chapter. But let's take a look at something here that's very important. We are going to start to see how alcoholism is going to take hold of Bill's life. Can I relate to this? You bet I can. Let's take a look. At one of the finals, I was too, excuse me, potential alcoholic that I was, I nearly failed my law course. He will complete the law course, but he will never practice law. At one of the finals, I was too drunk to think or write. So here's alcoholism taking Bill and dictating to him what he can be, where he can go, who he can be. This is how compulsive overeating ruled, dominated my life. From the time I was three, four years old, five years old, my compulsive overeating robbed me of my dreams. Every person that was an adult in my life convinced me that as long as I was fat, I was existentially wrong. I was existentially evil. I would never be anything in life. I would never get a girlfriend. I would never get a good job. I was never acceptable. And the only thing standing between me and what I most wanted, which was to be a a good person, was the fact that I was fat. And as a kid, that was unacceptable in my world. Absolutely unacceptable. Now let's take a look at something else here. It says here, though my drinking was not yet continuous, it disturbed my wife. Remember, he says, my drinking was not yet continuous. We're going to see the progression of Bill's alcoholism where that is going to change dramatically. We had long talks when I would still her forebodings by telling her that men of genius conceive their best projects when drunk, that the most majestic constructions of philosophic thought were so derived. The first victim of addictive behavior is the truth. The first thing that must go out the window when an addiction is practiced is honesty, honesty to self and honesty to others. He is lying to himself about his drinking. He is lying to Lois about his drinking. Can I relate to that? You bet that I can. I absolutely, as I became a compulsive overeater from the time I was born, I became a liar from the time I was born. I learned to lie. There was an inherent shame in what I was doing, and I was willing to do anything but stop eating or tell the truth. Can I relate to Bill? You bet I can. So the purpose of this chapter is, can I relate to the way Bill thinks? Yes. Can I relate to the way Bill drinks? Yes. And if I live this way, and I think this way, I'm going to eat the way that I ate. So this particular paragraph is the beginning of progression. It is the beginning of that ascent down the mountain. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Harlan. Okay, so we're on page two in Bill's story. Although in the first paragraph, 
And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience. So since it's Monday, that means if you shared on Thursday or Friday, please hold back. Okay, who would like to share? Katie G from Boston. Katie Chuck G. Elena K. Elena, what was your initial? C. C as in cat. Okay. Claire you. E. Claire E. I can take a couple more. Chuck K. Okay, let's go. With, I got you, Chuck. Okay, so I have Katie G, Chuck K, Ilana C, and Claire E. Go ahead, please, Katie. Hi, Katie. Sorry. Good morning. This is Katie G, Recovered Compulsive Eater in Boston. And, um, you know, what I really thought about today was um, the drive for success was on. And I would prove to the world that I am important. And I just, like, from the time I was little, before I started starving, purging, and over-exercising and eating, you know, I had this drive inside me. Like, I... I didn't feel like I was, I felt like I was the wrong person doing the wrong thing at the wrong time with the wrong people, you know, and, and, and I, and my success was based on what I thought you thought of me, right? So like, I'm going to prove to you that I'm important. My, my value and worth is going to come from whether you give me a gold star, whether you give me an A plus. And I love his delusional thinking. You know, a lot of times we hear the word denial and my big book teaches me, I have so much more than denial. I have delusional thinking, and delusional thinking is a false psychotic belief. And so, you know, I, with all due respect, I'm sure Bill W. was a man of genius, but I'm not a man of genius. I, I, you know, and I remember, you know, starving myself and thinking, well, and justifying and saying, well, you know, women of, of genius don't eat for a long time. Women of genius work out for hours and hours upon end, you know, and so what I think about is, you know, this disease is so much more than my behaviors with food. It's what is inside of me. It's, it's this empty hole in my soul that I'm seeking something to fill me up. And, you know, I have to let you all know that when I came into OA, that didn't change. You know, it took me a long time to actually take a seat in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous and for God to change me from a woman who wanted to be a drop, who driving for success in the rooms of OA. I wanted to graduate. I wanted to get the diet plan. I wanted to rush through the steps and then I wanted to serve others the way I wanted to. And where God is guiding to me today as a recovered woman is that my internal drive, it, it can't be there. It can't be there. God, soften me where would you have me go today God what would you have me do today God and that my value and worth doesn't come from proving to other people for for being a big shot I have tremendous big shotism and it is so wonderful to not have to prove to anyone to sit down to be a child of God and what does this have to do with eating everything because if I continue to act from for me my disease which is my ego eating starting anorexia bulimia is a step up from how I think I have a mental illness I process the world through my mind and I am so blessed today that I don't have to be driven by external things that I can take a seat with all of you be one among many and with that I pass thank you 
Thank you, Katie. Okay, now we have Chuck K followed by Ilana C. Hey, good morning, Katie. I thought I was later in the, the role here. Um, okay. I, I really appreciate the comments that were made, and it really it rings true to me, particularly the, the progressiveness of the disease and how that looked in my life, but also the dishonesty. And I love when the dishonesty is brought up. And one of the skills that I had developed over my life was that act of comparing myself to the world around me. And, you know, I always tell sponsees that I have lied to myself so much and in such great detail, I, I can't tell what's true anymore. And what I realized, what I heard the other week was when I compare someone, what I'm doing, compare myself with someone, what I'm doing is I'm comparing my inner raw state that I know everything about because I, I know what my mind holds to the facade of someone else, to someone's outward appearance. And we all know that people's outward appearance is really their best self. So even in that comparing, I'm not being dishonest, but I can't see that. And it was five years in the program that I could start seeing a little bit more of the truth in that. It's all dishonest. It's all uh, thoughts that I have no control over. I don't understand what's going on in people's minds. But when I'm in the food and when I'm in that line of thinking, I think I know everything. I think my way is the smartest way. You know, I think that that there's no problem with what I'm eating, but yet I find myself eating by myself because I'm ashamed of it, or I find myself uh, making excuses for what I'm doing. And so I, I love this chapter because I can't identify with Bill, and I'm starting to see just how dishonest more and more each day that I have been with myself in my life. And God is revealing that to me as I progress through the steps and I continue the work. And it's a wonderful thing, not that I need these to, to understand them, but because I'm receiving blessings from God. And every blessing that I receive strengthens my recovery because I know there's a God that loves me, and I know that there's a God that cares for me. So I think that's the most important thing in this chapter, and I think it's been well spoken to this morning, and I'm thankful that I was able to hear it. Thank you. Thank you, Chuck. Okay, Ilana C., you're up, followed by Claire E. Good morning, everyone. My name is Elena C., Elena C., and um, I just want to comment on the, like, the uh, first paragraph, the first sentences. Um, the drive for success was on. I proved to the world I was important. My work to me of my work took me about Wall Street, and little by little, I became interested in the market. Well, here's the thing. The guy is going for the American dream, and here's the thing. You know, like, um, this country is all made about people going about their American dream. And, you know, things happen in their families to, um, to like, make make children perfectionistic. But things happen in the society overall to make everybody perfectionistic, to have that big car and big house, you know? So, um, so his ego was like, Hey, I can do it. If not, if, if other can, many people lost money, many became rich, but why not, not I, why can't I begin came rich? And the guy was brilliant. The guy was a genius. If he failed, 
the law almost failed the law course even if he went drunk one of the finals i mean the man was genius right meaning that the other parts of the finals he scored perfectly almost um but the thing is that you know it is the difference between people like like bill w and people like other people is that you know coping with that much stress is involves human emotions and um we alcoholics and compulsive weak i'm not an alcoholic compulsive overeaters alcoholics we drink because because we cannot we cannot cope with our emotions so our emotions kill us is the other um if and food is only a solution to that so um Anyway, he it's it's really important and just like um the just like Harlan said, the progressive of his illness and, and the progressive of his ego along with the illness and the physical side of it is we are gonna read the progressive of his mental state, his ego. Uh, because he still has ego. It comes and goes until his ego gets crushed and sunk into a depression in which he compensates through drinking. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much. Thank you, Elena C. And Claire E., you're up, and then we'll open it up for more. Thank you, Katie. My name's Claire E. I'm a recovered compulsive eater in the UK. Um, yeah, this paragraph for me is all about ego, ego and illness. And um, I, God, do I identify with, with Bill W. Um, the drive success is on. As others have said, you know, I proved to the world I was important. Now, normal, balanced, healthy people don't need to prove the entire time that they're worthy. Um, and I've done that in recovery as well. I've proved, you know, through my, my doing, I'm a human doing, you know, through my achievements, through what I can do that I am important and um, just reminds me of that phrase I've heard around the room and excuse me for the language but you know I'm the most important piece of shit in the room and you know I've, I've behaved like that my entire life the arrogance but with that sort of real sense of inferiority that I have to prove myself to people I care what they think about me all the time um, and then going on you know to the I studied economics and business as well as law you know law wasn't enough you have to take on more and I've done that as well um, I'm also a professional person. I've, I've studied a course similar to law, but not the same. But I take on extra, more and more stuff. You know, I can handle it. I can do it. And then having these complete crashes because I was utterly overwhelmed. And again, I've done that in my recovery. I've done that in the program, taking on way more than I can I can handle safely because my ego tells me it'll be all right. Um, and then going on to the disturbing my wife, you know, my eating disturbed my family way before it disturbed me. And I used to tell the most amazing protracted lies. My mum used to say to me she didn't know what came out of my mouth was truth or a lie. And sometimes she said she questioned her own sanity because I was so convincing and I was so outraged. And I was so, you know, attack was the best form of defence for me. And I was protecting my stash. I didn't want to stop eating. I didn't want those conversations being brought up. Um, yeah, and, and I was I was horrid to people, absolutely horrible to people, um, and yet it was affecting my life. You know, I remember my finals. I was 
sleeping about two hours a night. I was on huge amounts of caffeine and uh, binging and vomiting and starving myself and um, somehow managed to pull it out the bag to actually perform in these exams. But um, And I felt fairly invincible. I thought I could handle it. I felt I was I was in control. And, and as has been said, the first victim of addiction is the truth. I was lying to myself right the way through. I couldn't handle any of it. And um, <laughs> the, the, the bone-crushing juggernaut of self-will whose end destruction is ruin, which is from the 12 and 12, I love that because that describes me, uh, certainly in my early 20s when I was, uh, I was full-fledged in this illness, um, which is what this paragraph reminds me of. So, um, so yes, can I identify Bill Wilson? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, um, and in sobriety, too, that ego comes up, that ego and that denial and that dishonesty comes up time and time again. And thank God I've got the steps and the program to treat that illness. Um, I'll leave it there. Thank you very much for letting me share. I'll pass. Thank you, Claire. Okay, so if you've just joined us, we are on page two, the very first paragraph. I took a night law course. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day in order that others might share. So who would like to share? Linda D. Linda D. Leslie W. This is Pauline T. Pauline T. Amy B. Amy B. Janet B. Okay, I heard Janet something and I think Carmela G. Diane C. Janet and Diane Janet B. B. Okay, Janet B. Thank you. And Diane C. Okay, that's a good list. Let's stop there. I have Linda D., Leslie W., Pauline T., Amy B., Janet B., Carmela G., and Diane C. Go ahead, please, um, Linda D. Good morning, everyone. It's Linda D. in Connecticut. I've been sick for about 10 days without a phone. That's where I've been. And the reason I'm back is because of this program and God. Enough said about that. I'm so grateful to be here. I've missed you terribly. Um, the thing that jumps out at me, which I never knew when I came into this program, and I've been in it half my life, uh, about 38 years, and I'm um, abstinent about um, recovered not quite seven years. Um, the thing that jumps out at me is something I didn't know, which is that I have a, a physical disease. It's very important for me to remember that my brain function is not normal. I was born that way, and I'm not to blame, and I didn't know it. That's very important. And I, it's not going away. Another thing that's very important to me is intellect is not going to do it. I found that out by doing the steps and by so gratefully receiving the presence of God. And I was an atheist, so that was a tall order for God. Not at all, but for me it was. And I had to work hard and listen to all of you. The shame that I carried, that was a word this morning, was incredible. I refuse to carry it now. I don't have to because I'm in this program and I'm recovered and I'm recovering every day with you. This program works and I don't have to die from this stinking, horrible disease. And I pass. 
Thank you, Linda. Okay, Leslie W., you're up, followed by Pauline T. Hey, Katie. Thank you for your service this morning. This is Leslie W. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Tennessee. And I really, really identify with this paragraph for sure. Um, I proved to the world that I was important. You know, the drive for success was on. Oh, yeah. I'm very ambitious. Very, very ambitious uh, person, and that and that that am- drive for ambition was uh, at any cost was validated in many ways, um, and uh, by other people around me. But what's interesting here is that he says that I, I I'm going to prove to the world I was important. Well, yeah, I wanted to prove to the world I was important. I was, but I think when I really when I really get down to it. Who am I trying to prove that to? I'm trying to prove that to myself. I'm trying to prove to myself that I'm worthy. Um, and if I can achieve these things, then you will believe that I'm worthy too. Um, this all comes down to where does my identity lie? Where does my self-worth come from? Does it come from my relationship with God or does it come from all of these things? You know, do do I have that self-assurance? And no, I didn't. I mean, I really didn't. Yeah, I didn't understand, you know, for the longest time that I was even, that I was even disconnected like that. And uh, you know, there's there's a there's a difference between the belief in God and 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 actually having a relationship with higher power. There's a big difference there. Um, and this high pressure achievement syndrome was something that I had myself to the extreme, and it 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 ruined me um, so much so that I, when I didn't have those successes. Then I was that I I was untethered. I was absolutely untethered, and I had no no foundation, no grounding. And that's when I spun out, you know. And um, but I needed to spin out. I needed I needed to fail so that I could be rebuilt in a manner that God would have me to be today. Um, and so with, with that, I think I'm going to pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leslie. Okay, Pauline T., you're up, followed by Amy B. Good morning, everyone. This is Pauline T., and I am a recovered overeater. I did not have to go to the gates of death and insanity due to those who went before me. I'm very grateful that I did not know that full progression. Today, I am able to hear the voice of my spirit that guides me rather than be led by the voice of my disease. I've been in this voice meeting now for about two and a half months 
had a, an original sponsor, um, another one, and it just, everything worked in God's plan that the sponsor I have now, I've had for a week, and my food is beautifully abstinent. Um, prior to all this, I still had reservations as to my yellow light triggers. And I did not discuss the fact that I was drinking two diet sodas every morning, just slugging them down. I did yesterday, and I told my sponsor, I texted her and said that I would begin today to um, let go of it. I'd start with just one can a day. (laughs) Well, even as I was thinking it before I texted it, I heard myself saying, oh, that's bull. Anyway, um, she texted back and said, give it up. You're worth it. So I texted her back and I said, is it all right with one can to begin? She didn't answer me, which is wonderful. And about four hours later, I texted her and I said, okay. And I did not have it this morning. And it was like humorous. It was humorous. I'm not afraid of the disease because my spirit is much stronger. And I've been in OA for 46 years, 47 years in AA. And I am really awakening to the beauty of every stage in life. I'm 77 years old and I look gorgeous. I am so pleased with the clarity, not only in my mind, but in my eyes, in my face. So thank you, everyone. I will star one and pass. Thank you, Pauline. Okay, Amy B., you're up, followed by Janet B. Amy B., star one. Hello? Hello? Yes, there you are. Can you hear Mm -hmm. me? Okay, sorry. I thought I was unmuted already. I apologize. Good morning, Amy B. Very grateful, recovered overeater in New York. Thank you so much for your service this morning. Thanks to everyone who's giving service um, and, and dialing in and sharing. Looking at this paragraph, the thing, the thing that jumped off the page at me this morning is the last sentence where he says, I would still her forebodings by telling her that men of genius conceive their best projects when drunk, that the most majestic constructions of philosophic thought were so derived. This, this idea that like, not only is it not hurting me, but it's making me better. It's, I need it. It's making me better. And I, and I see that he's convincing her why it's okay. And it, it jumped off the page of me. And I think of all the times that I said, so what if I'm big? Aren't I supposed to love myself no matter how I am? What, you know, like not everybody has to be perfect. Not everybody has to whatever. And I convinced myself, the people who loved me, that 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 it was okay and that it 
maybe part of it made me who I am. Maybe I'm more humble because I realize I'm not perfect. Maybe I'm whatever, whatever, whatever. And it is, as a previous speaker said beforehand, such an elaborate lie, such an elaborate lie. And I think, I think that we tell it to other people. I'll speak for myself. I told those lies to other people, but I was really just trying to convince myself um, and, and make it explain my pain in a way that felt like maybe it was the way it was supposed to be. And I just saw that in the sentence. And I'm so grateful today that that's, that I know that it's not true, that I know that um, it doesn't make me better. It, it, the lies send me down a rabbit hole that just end up breeding resentments and fears and all of the other things may drive me right back to the food. So I'm real, real grateful for looking at this paragraph and this sentence today and seeing Bill do that the same way that I've done that and recognizing that um, this is where I belong and this is my solution. And I'm so grateful to know that and to find it out with all of you beautiful visionaries every morning. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Amy. Okay, Janet B, you're up, followed by Carmela G. Hi, good morning. This is Janet B, recovered from compulsive eating and bulimia in New Jersey. Um, the phrase that jumped out at me was, though my drinking was not yet continuous. And I was thinking back in my binging um, when it was not yet continuous. Um, I had joined Overeaters Anonymous actually when I was in high school. And at that point, yeah, I was a compulsive eater, but um, and just dabbling in bulimia. I would binge and purge maybe once or twice a week. Well, fast forward six years of being in OA, and I was binging and purging up to six times a day. Um, I actually had to have major surgery on my esophagus because I damaged it so much. So not yet continuous never stays that way for a real compulsive eater. It became continuous, um, and it was progressive, and it was getting worse and worse. And I believe it just would have continued worse and worse, but for the grace of God. And I was just thinking about it, how it took me uh, six-ish years to get from um, just slightly bulimic to severely, horribly, morbidly bulimic. Um, and God could have just wound that tape backwards so that I was binging six and purging six times a day, and then five, and then four, and then three, two, one, zero. He could have taken six or seven years to do that, but he didn't. God, in his love and mercy, like a hand reaching into my soul, yanked out the obsession 100%. And he did that. It was right after a meeting where I'd been stuffing bagel chips down my throat behind a locked door before the meeting. But at that meeting, I just took a sponsor. I said, I am willing to do whatever you tell me. And I meant it. And then I just went out and I just told God, I will do whatever you want me to do. And I meant it. And I didn't do anything fancy with food plans. What I did without realizing it at the time is I really did my first, second, and third step right there in the meeting and in the meeting parking lot. And um, God removed the obsession at once, um, not slowly. Um, it was just 
gone. And I'm just so grateful for that and for this program. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Janet. And now we'll have Carmela G followed by Diane C. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service, Katie. And thank you all who have shared prior to me and um, all who are listening. My name is Carmela G, a grateful compulsive overeater recovered from New York. Um, I listened to the reading and then after hearing the initial share, I got into the passion, my gut, as to what this meant in my life. Um, How I, as a compulsive overeater, seven years ago, and it wasn't that long ago, um, seven years ago, was owned by a substance and self-will. The substance was one thing. That was the destruction of my physical body. But the self-will, the desire to prove how wonderful I was, yet the inner feeling of feeling less than, the conflict, and yet I was fighting it so strongly. And I could not, Carmela could not overcome it. And she fought for six decades to attempt to overcome it. She was going to prove how great she was. And yet my innermost self did not believe it, nor did I feel the passion, but yet I felt the passion of Bill, of his wanting to prove it. And only through working these steps did I realize, let it all go. Let the love of a power greater than Carmela. Imagine there's a power greater than Carmela. Let it go and let the love of this power that I call God enter me and direct me. And today, life is not easy. Believe me, it's not easy. But he's carrying me. Because he's my director, one foot in front of the other, and he helps me through the obstacles, only because I am allowing him to work within me. And with that, I pass. Thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you, Carmela. Okay, Diane C., you're up, and then we'll have time for three or four more. Star one, Diane. Can you hear me? Sorry. Hi, it's Diane C. from yes, Baltimore. Yes, I can, can hear, you hear you. Me? Yes. Great. Yes. Um, yes, I'm recovered today by the grace of God one day at a time. And um, I thank you so much for allowing me to share. So initially, I could not relate to Bill at all. It felt like a history lesson to me. Um, Bill was born at the time of my grandfather's and grandmother's. So it was interesting, but I, I, I couldn't identify. And then I started reading about his inferiority and caring so much what others 
thought about him. And I loved what Katie said earlier that she cared only about what she thought others thought of her. And bingo, that that really resonates with me. So I love that we can share on this line and share what the big book, which may not initially uh, relate or resonate with us, and we can share real time what it means to us. So I was blessed or cursed with an older sister who was the it girl, pretty popular, bold, fun. Everybody wanted to be with her or be her. And I just felt awful in comparison. And while others didn't really compare us, I compared myself to her continually. And so I ate to console myself. And I told myself that while I wasn't thin or pretty or popular, I had my academic success. So that became this external thing that I would use to build myself up, not, not verbally, but very much internally. So by and by, I ended up in law school. Now I can identify with Bill, although I wasn't drunk when I took my exams because I never would have passed as he did. Um, and in law school, no one cared what was going on inside. It's completely performance-driven, 100%. And there I learned um, how, to, how to learn through the Socratic method, which is uh, where a professor calls on one student and grills them one at a time. And you could be on the hot seat for a minute or 20 minutes. And you never knew, and you never knew what questions the professor was going to ask based on the reading. So you have to learn to think on your feet. And it is terrifying. So a week ago, my son and my niece started law school. My son is at the same school that I went to and actually has a couple of my professors. So these experiences have been very much on the surface for me because they've both been on the hot seat already. It's via Zoom, so it's a little bit different. And they've shared their experiences and it really has triggered a lot of feelings of fear and inferiority for me. That even though that was my currency, my, my academic performance and it still was just so terrifying. But as a recovered woman, I can listen, identify, and hopefully be a blessing to them and let them know that no one else remembers what you say or didn't say when you're on the hot seat because they're only thinking about what they said or didn't say. So let it go. You're here to learn. You're not expected to be perfect. And um, I and then I can offer to God that they hear what they what He wants them to hear. Sign, and, please. Uh, Okay, and so I will just um, just uh, wrap up just to say that um, this was a way that I could identify and that the anxiety and pressure, pressure to perform um, is something that I could identify with Bill, and thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Diane. Okay, so we're on page two in Bill's story, the first paragraph, I took a night law course, and we have time for three more people who would like to take those spots. Jason K. Okay, Jason K. and Alana. Ilana K. Yes. Ilana K. Sorry, C. And Sherry C. Okay, thank you. Let's go with Jason K., Ilana K., and Sherry C. Jason K. recovered compulsive eater and bulimic outside of Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, Bill's really describing here his 
manifestation of his illness, of the disease of alcoholism, of course, we substitute our disease for this. And he's talking about, you know, this, this idea that it wasn't, his drinking wasn't continuous yet, which means we're going to learn later on in his, in his story that it is continuous. And he's describing how he was driven, driven by this need for success. And Bill talks about how um, uh, we see that we're self-will run, run riot. You know, if, if you ask most normal people, do you need to prove to the world that you're successful, that you're important? Most people aren't going to have this sense of lack within them. So for me, I identified as well with this, that there was something in me that was driven, driven uh, by my own self-will, driven looking for approval. Um, you know, Bill talks about uh, in another place, uh, maybe in the 12 and 12, about our instincts our basic instincts run awry. And you can see for Bill, it was uh, success and, um, you know, ambition and money and, and uh, all those types of things. For me, and the best way to see this is when you write your four steps, actually put it down on paper and look at that third column and see what comes up constantly again and again and again. And for me, it was self-esteem. I, I kept always feeling like my pride and my self-esteem would be hurt. And I would always be resentful at myself. And this was part of what contributed to my disease in terms of me going back into the food. So Bill is on this journey. And, you know, early on in our, our careers as compulsive eaters, uh, you know, we're, we're, we don't really get that it's bad. We don't really see that it's a problem. Uh, I had a friend say to me once, just something out of the blue, she said, I think, you know, you'll have some growth around, you know, eating healthy and, and about, you know, eating better. And I was just shocked. I didn't even know what she was saying. I didn't even understand why she would, she would be saying that, you know, and I was sitting there eating, you know, eating pizza in front of her. And I had my own justifications. I said, well, I'm you know, super active. I can burn a lot of calories and, you know, but, but, you know, other people can see this before we can see it ourselves. And, you know, this is a progressive illness. If it, if it went from, you know, where it was when I was 20 to where it was when I was 30 overnight, I would have been shocked. I would have been dismayed. I would have gone to a treatment center. But slowly, day by day, you know, things would get worse. You know, binge after binge, it would get a little bit worse. It'd get more out of control. My efforts to control would have less and less effect. And... You know, and then I found myself in this nightmare, this Groundhog Day uh, sort of nightmare. And that's what Bill's really sort of trying to elaborate right now and what he's asking us to identify with uh, in this section. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Jason. Okay, Lana Kay, you're up, followed by Suri C. Hi, thank you. Um, this is Ilana Kay. I live in Israel. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I really, really loved that line that a lot of people pointed out so I'm just trying to find it yeah I'd, I'd prove to the world I was important <laughs> um, I just you know I've been plagued my entire life trying to prove myself worthy it's like my oldest faulty tape in my brain is that I'm not good enough and it's like everything I do and all the 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 um justifications and explaining and you know trying to convince others and and doing my my fourth step I can't tell you it's like every single thing and most of my fourth step 
I've had to do a few of them it was you know, about my husband primarily and this compulsive need, literally like the compulsive desire to eat, this compulsive need to be right because I have such little self-esteem. I need to prove that I'm right. And I like literally couldn't handle not having people see things from my perspective because it meant that I'm nothing, you know? Um, I don't know what it meant, but, but I had this need and slowly by slowly through doing lots of writing about it, my fourth step and my 10th step in my nightly review. And in the morning, my sponsor, you know, gave me this 11 step format, which I love. Um, but looking at, you know, what I am and what I want my higher power to have me be, um, you know, replace this with that and this with that. And like doing it every day and nothing's changing and nothing's changing. And the same thing's coming up over and over and over again in my 10 steps. And, and finally, I don't know what happened, but I am super grateful. I suddenly had a switch where I started seeing things from his perspective and started seeing that it's not all about me. You know, I'd prove to the world that was important. It's it's not about me proving anything. It's like, where are they coming from? What's going on for them? Get out of myself. Get out of my need to be right. Get out of my need for approval. Get out of, of self and just look at where he's coming from. And once I started doing that, it, it suddenly wasn't about me anymore. And that is the miracle of this program. Like, it's not about me. Let me Let me look at somebody else's perspective. And when I can do that, I can let it go. I can get out of self. And I literally, for the first time in my life, experienced not being resentful or angry. It's something that two weeks ago literally would have driven me to the edge. And I would have been on phone calls with program people sobbing about it. And like, it's not fair. And why, you know, it's like the whole victim and martyr and all that garbage. And, and this morning I had another opportunity. And I was able to to see his perspective again and then miracle miracle identify what I was actually feeling which was disappointed okay I can have a feeling of disappointment it doesn't mean he did anything wrong and then I could turn that over to my higher power and let it go and like you know with my day not being this crazy woman so I'm just thank you just want to put hope out there that that it can and does get better if we do the work thanks for letting me share I'll pass thank you Ilana okay Suri um you have two minutes please Hi, this is Sari C, compulsive overeater, not recovered. Um, actually, I take it back, not yet fully recovered. Um, you know, I, I actually had a, I was convinced that I was going to do it differently, that I was going to um, be the person who, once I was going to be absent, I was never going to go back. And um, I achieved a level of food abstinence. I worked um, with my red light, yellow light, green light, and I figured it out, and I, figured out this whole process, and I was in control, <laughs> um, and I worked with an amazing sponsor, and, and that amazing sponsor let me go, because after after a few nights of butts um, and explaining it away, I was like, okay, I, I'm, I'm not there, and so here I am again, doing it imperfectly, still doing the part that's most important, which is taking that next step to decide that I want to walk on that road with all my fellows because I, there is no other path for me, right? Because I'm honest and self-seeking and yet the person that I struggle to be the most honest with is myself. Um, starting a new job and I'm terrified and here I am judging my daughter for being terrified to get on a plane and start a new chapter in her own life. 
there's so many complex issues right now. Everybody's scared. Everybody has their fears being thrust on them in a way that they never even imagined. And here I am trying to be honest. And, and I'm, I'm afraid of the new junk food that's in my house, the chocolate bars that are staring at me because my kids are back home. Some of my kids are back home. And now there's, there's a chocolate bar in front of me and there are snack bags. And I had a whole few months where they weren't here. And I'm more scared of them than I am of my new job. How can I judge my daughter for being scared? How can I judge anybody else for being scared? Because I'm, I'm struggling with my own personal honesty. So I just, I just want to thank everybody on this line um, for showing up and showing up with such love, lack of judgment, such a power, such an honesty. Um, and it's with that that it gives me the strength to, to face um, today. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Suri. Okay, we've come to the end of our meeting. Thank you to everyone who has um, been part of Team Monday for the month of August. And thank you to everyone who shared today. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, Monday, August 31st, 7 a.m. meeting is 15,249. That's 15249. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Nancy please, Nancy P, please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Sure. Can I be heard? just want to ask with the... Yeah, there's a lot of background okay. noise. I don't know if that's you. Well, I, I had to step out. I'm at a car dealership getting my car fixed, so I'm, oh. I'm just outside. Um, let me see okay, if I can go into their showroom. Oh, are you sure? Okay. Um, yes, okay. Our book is meant to be, I'll, I'll shout, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This, oh, sorry. This is the great fact for us. Um, wait, I lost my place there. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you, shall, you will surely meet some of us as you, tr- as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you.